We've never wavered from that vision. Everything you hold worthwhile is at stake. Beyond yourself and ourselves, I have a dream. Freedom is indivisible. Uh, I took the initiative in creating the internet. That app comes with incredible rapidity. One electrical arc after another. Still trying to get myself adjusted. It really is a revolution. Welcome to the Hustle System Podcast, where art meets commerce, where we dive into the patterns of success and failure for some of the top entrepreneurs, artists, and business leaders in the world today, and help uncover the secrets to their peak performance, lifestyle design, and lots and lots of other goodies. As always, I am your host, Mikhail Kuznetsov. You can find me on all socials at MVKBIZ or at Hustle System. And in this episode, we're going to be talking with Brandon Sher. Now, Brandon is a dear friend of mine and a crack marketer. This kid is in his early 20s as of this recording, managing six figures per month in ad spend. And I had the pleasure of working with Brandon over at Jump Cut Studios. For those of you that are not familiar, check out jumpcut.com. They do really, really sick YouTube courses, so on and so forth. We're just going to dig right on in and start dropping bombs of value on you guys. So without further ado, Mr. Brandon Share. I guess like the 30 second uh, story is basically I got really into direct marketing in, in high school, tried to do a lot of my own like... Um, little online businesses, stuff like that. I was always messing around with uh, affiliate marketing, copywriting, uh, different little like service businesses. Um, and then basically spent a few years really studying DM and getting in deep into like psychology and, and uh, all of, like the old school like, famous copywriters and stuff like that. Um, and I ended up literally dropping out of college after two years to come uh, move across the country to, um, to Hollywood to work for the company that is now known as Jump Cut. If I, I bet you know, majority of people should know that name. Yeah. Uh, and basically started out as a copywriter. That's where I met you, worked with you for a little bit and uh, we had some good times. <laughs> uh, and then basically just over the years, uh, worked my way up, got deeper and deeper into marketing and, and now I run uh, the marketing team over there. Super sick, dude. Um, you know, without, without d disclosing what you're not allowed to disclose, obviously, uh, I heard you guys are doing pretty good. Um, how old are you now? And then how much approximately an ad spend are you managing just so that these guys can get an idea if you're allowed to. Yeah, know. totally. It's actually not that big of a deal because, um, we, we kind of use that in the marketing pretty often, right? So it's, uh, so it's there you cool. go. Uh, but basically I'm 23. Um, I, I started off running the paid ads for us, um, when we were at pretty much at zero, um, and then worked up to, we were at like a hundred, 150 K in ad spend. Um, so right now I actually don't manage uh, the ads, but we're doing, I, I'm not even sure we're doing somewhere in the hundreds of thousands of, of ad spend on, um, YouTube and Facebook. Um, and then in terms of, um, revenue, like we, we did eight figures last year and we're trying to like aggressively scale up this year, um, with more paid, more funnels, more, all the good stuff. Cool. Yeah. And that's, that's 100 to 150 per month, right? Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. Like a lot of people listening are like, wait, wait a minute. Like this kid's what, like 23 fucking managing, like. <laughs> I mean, you're managing as much an ad spend per month as a lawyer makes in, in income for an entire year, right? So like, <laughs> yeah. that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So, so you know what the funny part was, was for us back when we were getting into paid, I, I think this is actually backwards compared to how a lot of companies do it. But for us, it was like, okay, we don't want to be relying on organic anymore. Let's be profitable and paid today. Like from day one, let's be profitable, right? So that was uh, 
pretty stressful, but um, we, you know, we managed to do it just trying to like hustle from, from day one, trying to be profitable and just scaling it that way, which I think is honestly a lot tougher than um, how a lot of people dive into it. And they're like, all right, I'm down to lose 50%, you know, for the first month as we optimize and test. But for us, it was like, it was basically do or die mode, you know? Super sick, dude. Yeah. I was, uh, I was just chatting with Sam Ovens's ads guy two days ago. Um, Nick who runs all of Sam's stuff too. And we, we had a, a, some great convos about, you know, 30 day run up. Basically it's like, it's like, like how within 30 days we can be, you know, at really, really solid numbers and profitable, obviously. So yep. um, that, that plays out really well. Okay. So, so let's kind of, let's kind of rewind really quick here for a quick moment because I think a lot of people haven't heard of you. And, and I, I think it's really cool when you get some superstars that people haven't heard of, like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, to me, that's just like, that's just, that's just really cool. Right. It's, it's like, Oh, cool. Awesome. I, I think you even kind of downplay it cause you're a humble guy. Um, so let's kind of go back to like the beginning, just for a quick moment to, to do your like little life story. So like, where were you born? And, uh, what was your family situation? Like, let's talk about that for like a quick sec. Yeah, totally. Uh, born in, uh, Longmeadow, Massachusetts. Uh, that's actually where I'm from. That's where I grew up until about three, four years ago. Um, yeah, I pretty much came from no background of, of marketing or entrepreneurship. And I, I think I literally stumbled on like the four hour work week one day, um, read the book, had it completely just shatter my reality. Um, and then from there, everything kind of changed, you know? Awesome, dude. Awesome. Um, and then, uh, so what was the moment? What was the moment that you like, you got into it, right? What, what was the moment you're like, whoa, this is a new world and I want to explore this world? That's interesting. So I think there was a few different points, right? And it kind of, it all, it, it all kind of connected back to like how much I believed it was possible. So it was kind of like um, when I first read that book, it just opened my eyes to the fact that like, um, you can do, you know, whether it's a location independent business or an online business or affiliate marketing, whatever it is, it just literally, I, I was never even aware that like that level of, um, I guess like internet entrepreneurship existed for people that are, uh, solo, right. For people that are just like starting out, um, starting their own business. So that was kind of like the first step, the second. And, and I think the, the much more meaningful, jump for me was after I had been like messing around with like affiliate marketing and starting some websites and things like that. And I think I got like my first sale of some like cheap product. It was like, it was like nothing, right? It was like 40 bucks or 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, but literally the fact that I made that money was like, it was, it was again, like completely altered my perception of what's possible. Cause I was like, wait a second, like, man, this is real. Like th- this is possible. Right. Um, and so from that point onward, it was like, that was like the motivation to, double down and actually like really hustle and like really get good at marketing. Cause I, what I realized was, all right, this is possible. But the, the reality of the situation is you kind of have to be in the top 1% in terms of skill set, right. Of, of mm-hmm. direct marketing or of some form of uh, some, some piece of the business in order to really scale and really make it happen. Right. Almost anyone can, can kind of get started and maybe leave their job, get to that level. But for me, it was always like, I want to be at the top. I want to be 1%. I want to be moving all the way up in terms of, um, just in terms of, uh, I guess, treating business kind of like a, a competition, right? Totally. And um, that sort of took me to the next step, right? And then I came to Jump Cut. Um, and I think the the final turning point to, to get me to sort of the stage where I'm at now was like when we had our first launch where we did like, you know, over seven figures in sales in a matter of days. And I was just like, whoa. Like once again, it's like I, I've shifted my perception of what's possible. Yeah, that's super sick. Did you have any fears around 
like, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to dive into the deep water here and like not have like a quote real career, you know, because this entrepreneurship thing is, it's kind of crazy. Or, or were you confident enough in that the skill set is applicable to almost any industry? Like where, where were you on that spectrum? So, so that's where I'm at now. You know, you, you kind of realize after a while that it's like, once you learn the skill set of whatever you want to call it, right. Sales, business, marketing, that's pretty much applicable anywhere. And it's not even just in, you know, other uh, marketing businesses, but it's like, you understand how the world works. You understand human psychology. So it's literally applicable in almost any situation, right? If you, if you sort of get how, how things work, you can pick up the nuances of a different business or a different profession really quickly, right? Cause you can then plug it into your understanding of why people do things, right? Why people take certain actions, what incentives are, you know, pain versus pleasure, that kind of thing. Um, totally. but <laughs> definitely at the time, it's, it's funny cause that's actually a, a really good question. Um, at the time I was completely losing my mind in terms of stress and uh, fear of um, fear of failure. Uh, and then on top of that, uh, there's this funny thing where um, even though I knew that like I was making the right choice, right. It was kind of like a smart risk. My family definitely didn't. And the reasoning there is that, you know, they didn't have the same level of, of education when it comes to understanding what's possible and understanding, you know, how all this stuff works. So to have like all my friends and family not really understand, but to know that it's the right choice and then dropping out, um, a little bit scary. Um, I was definitely stressed out, but you know, the other funny thing there was, uh, I also knew I would pretty much never be happy in like a traditional nine to five job and a traditional career. So it basically made the decision for me. You know what I mean? It's like, even though it's a painful decision and it's risky and it's scary, there was only ever one option once I was like aware of it. That's pretty cool. So, so I mean, I think that's fascinating because, because a lot of people end up not doing that, right. Because of the fear they're kind of, they kind of cave to the pressure of whether that's family, society, et cetera. So I, I think it's kind of unique that you, you put yourself out to, to be kind of the black sheep because you knew that would be a driving force actually for you and that you kind of have no choice now, but to succeed um, on that. So uh, that's really cool, man. So, so massive props. So, um, that should give people a little bit of a backstory and, and let's, let's talk about now. So let's talk about, you know, what, what you're kind of doing now, where your skill set is at now. And let, let's maybe do uh, let's start that off with maybe a piece of advice for someone who's maybe stuck in a nine to five. Maybe they're, they're stuck in a nine to five. They want to kind of break out of it. They're willing to work hard and you know, they're, they might be even older than you are. They might be, you know, 30, 35 listening to this and going, well, this kid's 23, you know, I mean, managing, you know, really great stuff. Like you're, you're phenomenal at what you do. Uh, so what, what do they do? Like, what's the first step? Do they just up and quit or like, what, what would be that, that, that one piece of life? If you could, if you could make it like a one bullet point, you know, reframe or one, two, three at tops, uh, what, what would you do if you were in like in that position right now? Totally. <clears throat> I think, I think the big thing is that, I mean, I mean, I definitely wouldn't just quit without having some understanding of, of what business model you're going to do or how you're going to um, make things work out. Um, but I think the advice would be if you're someone who's, who's truly willing to like put in the effort um, in order to make this happen, the knowledge of how to do it is actually out there and it's right in front of you and it's easier than you think. And it's almost like, it's almost more of a, as I don't know if this is going to sound uh, almost cliche, but it's almost more of like a, a mindset issue that people have than a lack of knowledge, right? It's like, how much do you really, how much effort does it really take 
to, um, let's say you wanted to start something like a, um, some kind of consulting business, right? How much knowledge and effort and time do you have to spend really to learn a, learn a skill that is valuable to a business or learn a skill that's valuable to another person, right? And then to sell that skill. And it's, it's actually surprisingly small, right? So like the gap that people have between a regular nine to five job, if you're, if you're talking about someone who's making like an average income of like 50 K or something like that, the gap between that and making that much money on your own is like mm-hmm. tiny, right? Yeah. You, no, you don't, you don't really realize that until years later. Yeah. yeah. But the gap is tiny, right? If you're, so if you're willing to like hustle your ass off that, that jump is not tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of like, I would dedicate, I would just dedicate literally an hour a day or two hours a day to like, once you pick what you're going to do, whether it's, I want to start an online business selling e-commerce or information products, or I want to do consulting, right? Once you pick one of those, it doesn't really matter what you choose. Literally force yourself to spend two hours a day doing um, actual work towards making that happen. Whether that's educating yourself on um, the, you know, how to get around problems, right? Things that you don't know, or literally taking action on trying to build that business, trying to get an audience, trying to get sales. Um, and if you, if you legitimately force yourself to spend like a couple hours a day, like you will be successful and you'll have hit that initial, you know, breaking free from the nine to five thing way sooner than you could ever imagine. Super cool. Super cool. So, so you touched on something kind of in passing, which I think is actually a huge roadblock for people. You kind of, you kind of just, just kind of glazed over it is, is that it doesn't matter what you choose, right? You can, you're kind of like, Oh, it doesn't matter what you choose. Um, and I think for you, that's pretty easy to say. And once you have the experience, it's kind of easy and we'll get into some skill acquisition tips in a sec, but you know, can you, can you unpack that maybe a little bit more? Cause I think a lot of people get really overloaded with, you know, they can't commit to one thing. And I think one thing you've done is you've gotten really good at like, like the three things is one human psychology, two is copywriting, three is direct marketing, right? Those are kind of like the, the three things that you really shine on. So um, can you unpack that? Like, why, why doesn't it matter? What, like, AKA, you know, maybe you could go into uh, Tim Ferriss fear setting territory where it's like, well, what happens if you fail? You can always, you know, adjust, yep. but, but like, why doesn't it matter? Yeah. So I, I might be approaching this a little bit different from, from what you were thinking, but I guess here's, here's my thoughts on this, right? So, um, this is sort of under the assumption that, that you're willing to put in the effort to read a few books on marketing and kind of understand the basics, right? Uh, you study breakthrough advertising, you read, um, what was the Robert Cialdini book? Uh, Influence. Influence right? yeah. you, maybe you read some stuff from Russell Brunson or whatever, right? You, you sort of understand the basics of business and marketing and, and um, how things, how people like take action, right? Mm-hmm. Um, assuming you've got that. Uh, and, and this was something that I didn't realize until recently. And honestly, it's, it's pretty amazing once you, you really internalize it. Um, but th- there's like limitless opportunity in, in mm-hmm. business in general. And, and what I mean by that is that um, there's just so like, there's so much opportunity that you can't even fathom it. Like um, I'm trying to think of the best way to explain this, but it's like, there's what billions of dollars spent on weight loss products every year. There's billions of dollars uh, spent on, on different fitness stuff and nutrition stuff. And, um, literally like any product that you, that you look at, right. Any common market or whatever, there's billions and billions and billions of dollars in sales. And there's probably thousands of companies that have products in those categories. Right. Um, and it's just, you can't even fathom like how easy it would be for you to say, Hey, I'm going to, tackle this one little niche and provide this product or this service and then get started doing it and, and have it work. It's like people have this weird idea of, of competition and of how hard it is to get started. And it's, 
it's almost illogical. Um, but you don't, yeah. So this is kind of tough to explain, but it's like, we literally have a guy that made, um, a, a badminton course at, at jump cut recently. And it's, mm-hmm. you, you would assume like how big is the market for badminton courses. Right. And this mm-hmm. dude's doing like thousands of dollars in sales. <laughs> and it's like, you can, you can literally take something as, as small as knowing badminton or knowing, um, a foreign language and turn that into a course or, or whatever. But basically it's like, just choose something and do it. And, there will be an most likely as long as you you sort of choose a, a somewhat viable business idea. There will be an audience for it um, that is hungry for what you're selling. You just have to like literally taking action on it is what will get you to that point. Super sick. I, I'll actually kind of unpack that too a little bit more. I, I talk about this in my mentoring. So I run a mentoring program, quarter one, quarter three, where I kind of you know do a whole twelve week thing. I ramp people up, and I call it like failure of the imagination, where like like the inability to make money is. I view it as a complete failure of the imagination because the amount of um, you know monetary supply in circulation is ever increasing, right? It's, it's constantly increasing, and I mean, if you were to talk just just current times, you have India, China entering the global marketplace very, very aggressively, uh, getting access to technology, to uh, you know banking systems that they didn't have before, uh, getting access to something, for example, like just as simple as credit. Uh, in and of itself opens up a, a huge amount, a huge amount of um, global economic power that you can tap into. So you know, I always call it kind of like a failure of the imagination if people aren't able to to really think of something. And uh, for those of you that are, that are in the nine to five that are listening, it's actually a great, de- a great thing for you that you're in nine to five because your bar is set a lot lower. Like you said, if it's a 50, 60, 80 K, that's a lot easier to replicate. I mean, I know kids that are 21, 22 that are doing that in a single month rather than doing that in a year. Uh, quite a few of them. So um, that, that's a lot easier than if you were already, let's say, doing 10 mil a year and you have to take that from 10, 10 million to 100 million and you have a whole organization, you have to have leadership principles, management principles, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so let's, uh, let, let's kind of, let's kind of uh, go, go another step above. So uh, skill sets, right? I mean, you're, you're 23, you, you've developed these skills very, very quickly to, to a world-class level. How do you approach uh, skill acquisition and the selection of the skills that you're, uh, you're going to tackle. Totally. Um, so it's interesting. So the selection is really straightforward where at this point it's like, um, you sort of look at the numbers and you're like, okay, what, what area am I lacking in? Right. What's something that I'm not, um, a world-class expert in or something like that. And then you sort of, you know, for me right now that I think that's something I, I definitely want to dive more into like, paid ads because that's a sort of a whole world of, of, you know, voodoo magic that, um, you can, you can really dive into deep and, and it's like on the surface, it seems simple, but it's really uh, so much more complex. Um, but in terms of acquisition, here's, here's something that's interesting that I think is a little different from, um, what most people think. I, I think once you go beyond sort of the basics of reading whatever, five to 10 books on a subject, taking like five or 10 courses on, on, you know, different marketing and business topics, you kind of, at that point, you've kind of 80 20 um, how much you can learn just from like uh, consuming, right? Just from consuming content. Uh, I, I don't think that you actually get a massive benefit from reading 10 million blog posts a year, you know, mm-hmm. or listening to 10,000 podcasts, right? It's almost, in my mind, it's almost more, it's almost more beneficial to pick one person or pick five people that you follow, right? And dive in deep to those people. Um, but on top of that, what's really interesting about business and marketing is that um, it's funny. I actually heard you say this on a, a, one of your YouTube videos that I was just watching. Um, you were saying how there's an old quote about like, do as I say, not as I do, mm-hmm. um, 
what's really funny though is in the marketing world, uh, it's, this is sort of like a, a growth hack almost. It's like the opposite, right? Yep. So if you want to learn marketing or business, once you once you have a, a basic understanding of the fundamentals, one of the most powerful things you can do is literally instead of um, instead of buying courses for the content, buy courses so that you can study how they're sold, right? Or just study the business model and the sort of the behind the behind the scenes stuff that people are doing, right? So it's actually like study what people are doing instead of you know consuming what they're saying, right? Instead of mm-hmm. being a consumer and being a reader or a listener and just sort of um, passively taking in the words that they're saying, actually try to analyze what they're saying, why they're saying it, and look sort of behind the scenes, behind the curtain, and say, hey, how are these guys actually making their money? Um, and that's that's sort of the level where I'm at now in terms of um, trying to get better. It's always looking at competitors or looking at people in completely different markets and literally just um, trying to learn what their secrets are by just looking at them, right? What's so funny is that you can't actually hide, for the most part, the secrets of um, success when it comes to business, because the, the secrets are always, for the most part, they're outbound. They're like how you acquire customers, right? So it's your ads, right? You can go on Facebook and look at the ads of all of your competitors, right? They're all publicly available. You can go through their funnels. You can uh, handwrite copy, right? To try to get their voice. You can study like what the flow of their funnel is, what the offers are, what the price points are. And what's hilarious is that one of the easiest ways to get started is to find a business that's crushing it and basically model them, model like what their funnel is, model what the price points are, model what the products are. Because most likely, as long as you choose the right company, um, that's going to get you, that's going to be like the 80, 20 to your own business. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just, I think that's the secret is, is studying people that are actually crushing it and knowing when to make the leap outside of, uh, the land of being a student and moving into being kind of a, um, a student of the real world as opposed mm-hmm. to a student of, you know, prepackaged courses and, and articles and videos. Yeah. Kind of like getting, getting your elbows in the mud, getting them dirty, learning from uh, a lot of people, I think, think that, you know, internet marketing, you come up with like the perfect offer and you launch it, but it's really so much iteration, right? I mean, if you were to look at your own stuff, I mean, how many points of iteration have you gone through over the last three or four years, probably thousands of them, right? Whether that's um, emails, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that this concept is, uh, is very difficult for artistic types because artists always want to create something that's new. And often a lot of people that, that want to be creators, right, in this space, they want to do something that's really unique. And uh, that, that was something that I struggled with quite a bit in my 20s, actually, was I wanted to do something really new. I wanted to kind of disrupt the industry, right? But if you look at all the great disruptors, uh, you know, innovators, dilemma, et cetera, you're looking at uh, things that were related to past technology, right? If you take, you know, the iPhone, for example, that was built on top of past technology, if you look at uh, what Elon Musk has done with whether that's Tesla or SpaceX, that was still uh, leveraging other things that already existed. And this segues really, really nicely because you're, you're talking about you know copying a business model. Now, uh, I think a lot of people listening to this go, number one is they go, that's way too easy. That's the first thing. <laughs> and when something is too easy, it's, it's like people want to make it difficult for themselves, right? They're, they're like, no, let me, let me make this as complicated as possible because that gives you an excuse to fail. I guess people an excuse to fail and then they go, okay, well, I tried this and it didn't work. Right. So that, that's one thing is it sounds too easy. But number two is I think there's an ethical component to it uh, as well, where, uh, you know, they go and well, what well, was this ethically viable? And uh, the, the bridge here, I think is really, really great is, is that word copywriting. Right. Uh, and, and you kind of know where I'm going to go with this is when it comes to uh, say sales tactics or business models or uh, j- just sales copy in general, the first four letters of copywriting literally say copy it. And 
uh, that's the way that, you know, th that was a big shift for me when I realized, okay, well, rather than starting to recreate this ground up, why don't I go and, you know, dissect an offer page, see what they're doing, copy it verbatim. And then you kind of download it like a schematic. So the way I think of it is like you kind of download a schematic into your brain and then you have that and you can build whatever you want from that point in time. It's kind of like you get the constructor set. You know, you have your little Lego constructor set that you got from doing uh, whether that's an offer page or a video sales letter or an ad. And now you can go and you can rebuild your own ads uh, from that. So th that's a great 80-20 approach of just, you know, just just pick something, right? So the, the first part is it really doesn't matter too much what you pick. Just just pick something if you're if you're trying to kind of kind of break out of, of the norm. Pick something, go for it, and then replicate other people that are successful. Now, um, you know, Ty and I used to have this conversation all the time where people often pick the wrong thing. So this is where I see I see a lot of people make mistakes. I see a ton of people make mistakes in this, and uh, you can chat about this for a second. Where uh, you know they'll go into an industry and uh, they don't have the confidence to model the best, right? So they'll go into something like internet marketing. And they will, they won't model the best people in the space. They will kind of go for someone that that's close enough and tangible. And uh, I believe that that creates a, a huge amount of failure actually, because the, the people that are not at the top are probably not doing the best stuff. So how do you go about selecting, uh, whether that's a, a product or an offer, like, like figuring out, you know, how much are these people actually making? Um, is this, is this worth listening to? Cause there's a lot of noise out there right? Especially in the current marketplace, it's only going to get worse over the next five, 10 years here. Everybody's like a little guru and has their little internet drop shipping business. And like everybody, everybody's a, you know, millionaire on paper somehow with a Lamborghini that's probably leased, you know? So, uh, how do you, how do you go about selecting what to replicate and what to ignore? Yeah, totally. So, okay. So there's a couple of pieces to that, right? So Obviously, for the for the first piece, in terms of like knowing what kinds of businesses to replicate, if you're looking at like real businesses, um, that's that's obviously really tough, right? Without knowing how much revenue they're making, how much profit they're making, right? Which is actually a, a, a interesting nuance of this discussion, where it's like there's actually a lot of companies right now that have outside funding, right? So if you copy them, you're just copying a cash burning machine, you know, yeah. because like they're, they're intentionally not being profitable, right? Yep. You, what you really want to find is a company that's crushing it, is, is profitable, and is at least um, approaching business the same way that you want to approach it, right? Um, but with that said, there's, there's some like heuristics that you can use to figure out um, how well a company is doing, right? You can look at how much are they actually spending in ads, Right, and and that could be as simple as you see their YouTube ads or you see their Facebook ads, um, and you click into them and you try to look at some of the um, the, the analytics. So, like on YouTube, even if it's a pre-roll ad, you can like right-click, um, click like video debug settings or something. Right, you can actually find the ID for the video, then plug it into the URL and actually find like the unlisted YouTube video. Right, and they actually have um, the view count on those videos, just as if they were any other YouTube video, but they're unlisted because they're ads, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you see a YouTube ad and it's got like 4 million views, that's clearly um, an advertisement, you know for a fact that these guys are probably crushing it, right? Because no one's going to spend whatever it is, um, $10,000, $50,000 to run an ad that's not working, right? So that can kind of give you a little bit of insight. Um, I, I do think that's, that's tough though, like knowing what companies are actually pretty good. I, I think a piece of it has to come from intuition and being in the space and actually um, almost acting like almost acting like you're a customer of the space and getting a feel for like who pops up the most, who's talked about the most, who clearly has like a rabid fan base. 
mm-hmm. right? Um, and then on the other side, uh, just because you, you sort of mentioned this with, uh, it is kind of nuts right now how like on Twitter or on, on any social media, there's so many of these like, like wannabe gurus that are popping up. Um, I think the best best thing people can use to, to sort of judge someone who's trying to coach or teach you is what experience do they have outside of their current business, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. do they have experience in other markets? Do they have experience um, working for big companies outside of the coaching and consulting, you know, business type of space? Um, and mm-hmm. that, that honestly um, kind of cuts out 95% of people. Yeah, because it's like real world experience that actually gets real results, right? And it, yeah, I think right, right now it's, it's like when you find a, a hack in a video game, and then it gets leaked on Reddit. Like that, that's the way I think of the internet marketing space is like, like w- the, the trendsetters found all these hacks and then it's like, it got leaked on Reddit and now all these kids in high school are finding these hacks and now everybody is using the same hacks and, um, and strategies and tools and techniques and stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think you had that before where you could just go from your laptop and make millions of dollars. Like that just simply, the technology just didn't exist. I mean, let's face it before the internet, it was just physically not possible at all. I mean, we didn't even have laptops. Um, yep. You know, I remember flip phones, dude. Like, so it's like, uh, it, it's, pr- <laughs> it's pretty crazy to see the trend. I think, I think a lot of people are, are I've heard this a lot that, that the space is saturated, right? And I think that's just s- such nonsense and that the internet is r- really a baby, right? The internet in and of itself, uh, just the ability for us to, for example, have, you know, this discussion, that didn't exist until very, very recently in a video format, especially, right? So yep. I think most people are doing themselves a disservice by staying out of the space and really overestimating the um, the signal-to-noise ratio and, the, and their ability to break through that signal-to-noise ratio if they do it properly. Because I think the amount of people doing it is very high, but the amount of people that are doing it really well is actually very low, at least from yep. what I've seen. Because there's so many factors. It's kind of like being a neurosurgeon. You, you have to know so many things uh, about a very hyper-specific topic that um, uh, often overlaps, right? You have the human psychology element of what makes people tick. You kind of have the the actual copy element. You have the design elements. You have, you know, conversion, acquisition, retention elements. You have product offer uh, components to it. So the, and each of those is, is, a, is a deep uh, rabbit hole to unpack. I mean, just structuring an offer in and of itself is, is an art form, yep. as you and I have talked about quite a bit. So... Um, let's kind of, uh, let's, let's kind of keep, keep, um, keep going here. So, so the skill set I think is fascinating that you talked about, like, like that approach to acquisition. I, I think the ability to copy an industry or product or company that's working, I think that should give, uh, people some ideas. Now I, th- I thought that YouTube hack thing was very, very interesting. I think a lot of people wouldn't even take the time to do that. Um, what, uh, what other things that are kind of clever little workarounds do you use, uh, that are like that, that for, for now let's kind of transition to people who are maybe marketers that are kind of in that intermediate to advanced space. What are some things that would make them kind of go like, you know, scratch your chin a little bit or go, huh, that's, that's clever. Now, uh, you know, you may, you may, I mean, just as simple as, you know, let, let's talk like social blade, let's talk, um, you know, any sort of uh, what runs where kind of stuff that, that you're doing. Cause a lot of the people that are going to be watching and listening to this are going to be uh, kind of more, more seasoned vets. So you have any nuggets of wisdom for those guys? Yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, <laughs> it, it's funny. I feel like um, I feel like there's nothing that I that I'm doing that's so 
super secret, right? It's, it's really just sticking to the fundamentals of, um, I, right now I'm doing a ton of like funnel hacking, right. Mm-hmm. And just buying people's products, screenshotting the, the pages and then kind of studying the whole flow that's attached to that. Um, you can do a little bit of, um, additional kind of like research into what people are doing. If you, um, if you hit one of their sales pages and just like view source, obviously that's like a really simple thing to do that I, I think the majority of people know. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look through it, actually like the scripts on the page, that was one of the big things that I was doing a while back to figure out um, what like marketing tools and software that some of these bigger guys are using. Right. And it mm-hmm. gives you some really good insight into like um, what the best analytics platforms are and what some of the best um, like hidden uh, marketing tools and things like that are. Right. So like that, that's kind of how I found out about like deadline funnel mm-hmm. um, and like wicked reports and things like that was literally through like looking at the source on people's sales pages and being like, Oh, that's interesting. I want to, I want to know what this is. So, um, so one of the things I like to do is, is like look at uh, the view source for um, people's sales pages. You go into their funnels and you can actually find out about some of the little um, like tricks and hacks that they're using uh, for sometimes it's like little conversion rate boosts, things like that. But sometimes it gives you these like massive ideas that you can apply to your own business. Um, and the easy thing is you click, you know, right click view source, and then you try to find like the names of, of scripts and companies and, and apps that they're using, whether it's uh, wicked reports for analytics or um, you find out about like, oh, they're using like proof, right? For like the social proof plugin, that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. Or they're using like Hotjar to, to do like um, heat maps and things like that. And it's it can give you some really good insight into um, their strategy, right? That actually gives you some insight into their, their thought process. And that's, that's like a little bit higher level. Um, mm-hmm. but I think that's, I think that's the level that someone who's like more intermediate and advanced, um, should be at, right. Where it's like, you're not just modeling a business model. You're not just modeling pieces of copy that they put out. Um, but you actually want to think about what's their overall strategy, right. So that you can be like two steps ahead so that you can actually like innovate, um, and I think, I think that's honestly a really interesting point. This is something that I've, I've thought about for a long time in, in like kind of like the DM internet marketing space. I feel like there's very few people that um, on the high end are like truly innovating, right? There's people that are doing really good marketing and are putting out good products, but there's very few people who approach, um, approach their business uh, for like an IM kind of business, whether it's like e-commerce consulting, dropshipping, uh, courses, whatever, very few people approach them the way that like someone from the Silicon Valley world, um, approaches trying to innovate on both the product and the marketing. That's actually something that, um, that we're doing at jump cut that I think is, is one of our huge like competitive advantages. But I think that almost, almost anyone can do that, right? Even if you're just starting out in business, uh, one of the things that I always tell my friends who are just starting is like, even though you want to learn marketing, even though you want to like, um, view this as like a uh, kind of like a simple online business for yourself, like try to think of yourself as um, innovative, try to think of yourself as like a businessman, right? Even though you're not making Microsoft right now, like think of it as if you are like, think about how can you actually innovate and be better than the competition. And I, I don't know, to me, that seems like something that uh, is like really lacking in the space. No one really wants to um, innovate, try new crazy ideas, uh, you know, try to approach their business from like a strategy standpoint instead of a, a numbers standpoint, right? Everyone wants to be like, all right, how do I create the next $97 offer that converts at 1%, right? It's like, mm-hmm. what about something that's even bigger than that, right? What about something that's like truly innovative as opposed to slightly better marketing, slightly higher converting funnels, right? 
Cool. Let's um, let's expand on that some more. That's actually a lot of what goes through through my head is, you know, when's the the third wave going to crash? I always I always call it the third wave, right? So you have the the current wave that people see. If you if you imagine like you're standing on a beach and you're looking out at the ocean, you have the, these big waves coming towards you, and you you if the first wave is bigger than the other waves, that's the only wave you're going to see. So. Uh, I call this kind of like third wave theory. It, it's, it's kind of like one of my little topics is, is what's the third wave? Because the first wave is going to hit and that's the obvious one. And that's the one that everybody's uh, prepared for. But, you know, if you follow like Ray Dalio principles, he always talks about first, second, third order consequences. And then you have that second wave. And that second wave is going to be the one that surprises everyone. So I, I think of it this way as the first wave is the one everybody's expecting to hit and they're preparing for it. The second one is the one that surprises them. And in turn, um, as they react to the second wave, the third wave hits. And that's, that's usually the wave that, that c- kind of catches the world by storm, um, is the way I like to think of it, is as th- they're preparing for the third wave, right? And so um, l- let's talk a little bit about that. Where do you see internet marketing going from here? I mean, this, this is a wide topic, but you know, where do you see the marketplace now? And, and what, are, what are some of the next trends that, that you're observing with what you're doing or what maybe some of your competitors are doing or what maybe some of your um, business partners are doing, et cetera, that, that you're like, oh, that's going to be really cool, right? A good example is in the tech space, it's like it's all about AI machine learning. Um, I'm really looking forward to augmented uh, you, you know, visual components where I can be, for example, at a networking party and you know, s- see everybody's social media and what they do in their LinkedIn profile in real yep. time um, in a holographic uh, way, right? I, I think, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, we're, we're kind of getting there. Like North, um, the company, they're doing, you know, augmented reality goggles, uh, glasses that look pretty decent and um, they're backed by Amazon. So like, that's an example kind of in that tech space. But what are, what are you seeing as far as the internet marketing space? Because I actually agree with you, but I'd like to kind of get your feedback. Like, what's something you're like, oh, that's cool, that's cool. Yeah, so that's really interesting. You you jumped all the way to AI because to to me that's actually the the long term end result. That's where I think we're headed. Um, but I, I guess I can start with more mid term, short term stuff. Um, you're already kind of seeing a shift to more personalization um, based on whether it's like you, you know people always had like your first name you can put into the subject line of an email or like into the body copy of an email. Um, but that's obviously super basic. But I think we're going to start seeing way more personalization in terms of the actual copy of websites being based around data that you've already given to that person, right? So it could be as simple as putting your name into the text, right? Or it could go super deep to the point where they know um, what industry you're in, right? Like, let's say you're selling, um, let's say you're selling something to uh, businesses, right? And so if you actually know what industry the person's in, you can then customize literally chunks of the page or the entire page to actually um, speak to their personal situation, right? That's obviously going to convert way better. Um, but that even works for consumer goods, where it's like, if you know the demographics of, of your entire audience, whether they're teenagers, 30-year-olds, or 60-year-olds, if you're selling, for instance, like nutrition, right, or like fitness supplements or something, you're going to speak to those people in a completely different way because what's going through their mind is completely different, right? Mm-hmm. So I think we're, we're going to see way more personalization, Um in, in terms of basic stuff like that. Um, but then what honestly excites me is more about like the long term. And you, you kind of touched on this with AI. Um, but I, I honestly think that's so much closer than people realize. Like you, you talked about how like the internet didn't exist um, 
what, 30 years ago, even Mm -hmm. like 25 years ago, it wasn't even mainstream, maybe 20 something years ago, it started to be kind of mainstream. Right. Um, and you know, we went through that whole time period where people were like, nobody will shop on the internet. (laughs) You know, there's all those, um, there's old clips of like, uh, news reporters saying like, what's this internet thing? No one's ever going to use it, you know? But, um, I I honestly think that's how people are going to react when it comes to VR and AI. Because um, you already see this, you mentioned with tech companies, you're already seeing them massively use data, whether it's Facebook with um, targeting advertisements or Netflix with trying to basically guess what your preferences are. And then you, I'm, I'm assuming they do this, but I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm correct. To, they basically use data to guess what your preferences are, to show you content that they think you're going to like and it's going to keep you using the service more. But then I'm sure they also use that data to um, influence where they spend money in terms of their budget, right? They're like, people clearly are secretly into this content. There's actually a trend. There's growth in this, you know, in, in the Bollywood trend or movies or whatever, right? So they're mm-hmm. like, we're going to create, you know, we're going to put $10 million towards creating content in this niche. That's going to be our advantage in the next quarter, right? Mm-hmm. But I think taking that even further, um, you're going to start seeing that more and more and more actually trickle down to um, internet marketing businesses. No different from... Um, no different from like uh, uh, software uh, marketing automation platforms, right? Like ActiveCampaign or Meripost or ClickFunnels, right? No different than how they took something that seemed complex and uh, in the old days would require a whole team of engineers and and smart people, right, to run. um, And they made it into a tool that is like drag and drop that like literally anyone can use, right? Uh, For a relatively cheap amount of money, right? It's Mm -hmm. like you spend a hundred bucks a month instead of years ago, you would have had to have like full-time engineers um, to, to put up a website, right? If it was going to be custom coded and have all these marketing features, right? So I, I don't know what that word is, but you're going to see that basically AI become um, commonplace and cheap and everyone's going to start using it. And then on top of that, just like you said with VR, I think that's the other one that's going to be in, in everything. It's going to be like, no matter what you're selling, um, maybe maybe it'll take a little bit longer to trickle down to like information marketing, but with physical products, man, everything is going to be VR. It's going to be, why don't you, um, why don't you hold this skincare bottle in your hand in VR, see what it's going to look like. Right. And then maybe open it up, maybe pretend you're putting it on your arm. Right. Even if that sounds weird, like you're going to see that with everything. It's going to be like, put these, um, put these sunglasses on in VR, look at yourself in a mirror in VR with these sunglasses. Right. And then it's going to be like, would you like to purchase them? You look dope, right? Yeah. You look so good in those sunglasses, right? It's going to say your name, right? And it's like, yeah. we're going to reach such a level of personalization that it is, I think it's going to blow people away. And I think, I think no one is ready for this because I don't think anyone can truly conceptualize um, just, how, just how close to uh, real life VR will be, right? People already spend, I, I've been telling my friends this, people already spend their life savings on, on video games like World of Warcraft or RuneScaper or, you know, um, things that are gamified with microtransactions. You wouldn't believe how much money people spend on them. And it's because it's like immersive, right? And it gets you into that experience and it, and it, um, it, it to a certain extent, mimics both real life and also the rewards of real life, right? Those dopamine hits, things like that. But it's mm-hmm. like, man, VR is on a completely different level. Like you can't even imagine what that's going to do when um, people can go into what amounts to marketing, right? But is framed as content and entertainment to the end user, right? They go into this supposed entertainment thing, right? And you really end up, you know, buying sunglasses or buying a car or buying, you know, a fitness program, right? You could literally do the fitness program in VR, right? And it's like, tell me how that's any different 
from being in an actual yoga studio, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as long as you are like uh, experiencing the same sensations of, of like sound and you're, you're working out yourself and you're sweating, right? There's very little and, and like you're seeing it right in your eyes. There's very little difference to real life. And it's just like, man, when that becomes possible through the internet and something as small as like an Oculus Go or something like that, uh, I think that's going to have a monumental impact on all of marketing. Right. Yeah, totally, man. I, I think what's really funny is um, these movies that came out like 20, 30 years ago uh, that, that predicted the future, like all the stuff in Star Wars, like, you know, uh, holograph displays and you know, all the stuff that then like, ended up, like only like 90% of those things ended up happening. So I, yeah. I think uh, it's really funny to look at like movies now and, uh, and just use that as a predictive analysis of like, okay, well, if 90% of the stuff that's coming out of movies now, you know, like take like Iron Man, right, in the Avengers, yep. Or, um, you know, to, to reference your example, Ready Player One, right, with, with VR. Yeah, exactly. Uh, perfect example, right? So, so I think uh, th- there's a self-manifesting prophecy with humanity where it's like once it's put out there, uh, action is taken because humanity wants to evolve. And so as a result of that, like those things actually end up getting created as a result of, of the media that's then presented beforehand in a unique way. It's, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way. Um, and I think that's really cool. One, uh, one area that I really love to see disruption in VR is education. I think, the, I think the person to solve that use case is going to be the, the, potentially the next Jeff Bezos. Uh, that could potentially be the, the one thing that I could see supplanting um, a monster like Amazon is completely you know, revolutionizing K through 12 and higher ed. Uh, because if you were to take, you know, Harvard, Yale, and then every high school in the world, gamify that process and uh, take it all the way from, you know, preschool all the way through. And you had, you know, I mean, imagine just a similar to World of Warcraft, you had a global leaderboard and the, the entire thing was gamified and you had a monetization system where, you know, uh, these kids are uh, sitting there with iPads spending money on these video games. Well, instead, if they were like, look, I spent seven dollars to get better at math like yeah. that's a, that's a very proactive and positive uh interaction actually rather than a negative one and you can still attach certain dopamine triggers to it i think khan academy is doing some interesting stuff with that um, i think you're seeing a lot of websites in that space now but i haven't seen anything that's, that's like truly disruptive and, and I'm, I'm calling it right now it's what like 2019 i'm calling it by 2025 2027 uh, there will be a massive global disruption in the education space and it's going to completely yep. supplant uh, I mean, uh, what sucks is a bunch of teachers are probably going to be out of work unless they can create a virtual classroom kind of thing, uh, aka you're not going to need as many teachers. But that's going to be very similar to what happened with the music industry, right? A bunch of labels went out of business. And I, I think music's actually in a better space than it's ever been before. So uh, two topics I definitely want to unpack here. And um, the, the first one so, so before we get into the human element topic, which I think is fascinating, let's talk about this thing you, you mentioned, data versus content. So I, I had a great discussion recently because some of the companies I work with are kind of a, l- a little bit edgier, right? And uh, have to deal with something known as deplatforming. And, you know, with uh, some of the stuff that we did with uh, Simple Pickup, like you're familiar with some of that stuff, right? Uh, where, okay, well, at what point are you so reliant on Facebook or YouTube to where your entire business model is dependent on their data set? And you could be deplatformed. Now, this conversation that I had was was actually between me and a bunch of uh, content creators, and their argument was, well, you know, if um, if this platform doesn't treat us the way we want to be treated, we're just going to boycott it and uh, throw a giant fit, and uh, then the, then they'll change their practices. And uh, I have a different belief, and I l- I'd love to hear your take on this. 
My belief is actually the opposite. My belief is that a data drives content, which is kind of what you hinted at, right? It's, it's not content that drives data. Uh, it's, it's, I really do believe that it is the opposite, is that the data that has already been collected by these platforms, such as Facebook, such as Google, is what drives the distribution of the content, which then in turn drives the trend for new content which in turn then drives creators to create those types of content. So in a way, even though creators uh, believe that they're being innovative, they are actually kind of, again, that, that third way, they're actually following a third order consequence of the, the data has told the marketplace that this is the type of content that should be created. The creators are observing that and then they're creating that type of, con uh, of content. But you as someone, because you guys are a jump cutter, very prolific. What I really love about that company is it's very prolific there's there's a very positive uh, method to both the disruption and the creative aspect, uh, whether that's the content or whether that's uh, some of the tech that you guys run on the back end. Uh, I'm, I'm really a huge fan. So can you talk a little bit about like what comes first? Is it the content that comes first or is it the data that comes first? And, and how does that symbiotic relationship work fr from the way that you view it as, you know, a marketer in that space? Yeah, totally. So by content, are you referring to marketing or products or both? kind of both, right? Whether that's a YouTube video, whether yep. that's a product, um, any sort of medium yep. of uh, idea encapsulation and transmission. Interesting, yeah. So, um, by the way, I, I do think you're gonna see something interesting happen in the next year or two, um, where I, I actually think there's a massive business opportunity for someone to come into like the social media space and basically be a company that says, we are the social media you know, free speech company and basically be like, just no rules. Like as long as you don't break the laws, you've got YouTube, you've got Facebook, you've got Twitter, you've got all of these different variants. Um, and basically I think, I think there's going to be someone that's going to step in and, and we might see something um, funny happen at that point, because it, it, what, what you said about um, basically people relying too much on platforms and, and um, basically being too risky is, is a really interesting topic because it's kind of like, man, if you're just starting out, you sort of need to use YouTube. You have to right, right. If you want to do video marketing, if you want to put out content, um, you're just not going to be able to get started, right? If you have no money to, to advertise without relying on these platforms. And it, what it ends up doing is it puts people into this place where if you're smart, not only are you leveraging those platforms to build an audience, but as quickly as humanly possible, you're trying to get them off those platforms and get them onto something that you own, whether that's like an email list, a website, customers, you know, whatever. Um, but that, I thought that was actually a really big point because that, that honestly could be a big turning point for internet marketing in the next couple of years uh, if, if people need to start treating social media differently than they are now. Um, yeah, it's, it's bad. We were actually working on some stuff in the, in the background with um, some people uh, from back in the day, actually, from some, some MySpace some people, also a lot of crypto people and making it decentralized, stuff like that. So yep. that's kind of a, a, a separate topic. But yeah, full, fully accurate. I think there's, there's some regulations and stuff that come into play. And it's such a such an interesting topic because I think a lot of people almost don't want to unpack that topic. It's too scary. It's just scary to think about that your entire business model relies on basically two companies, right? I mean, look at look at how many companies go under. Really, like like if if you were to take away Facebook and take away Google right now, Facebook that means Instagram's gone. Google that means YouTube's gone. What chance things gone? Yeah, I mean, that's, pretty, that's, those two companies are what sixty three percent of online advertising, which implies yeah. they're also like that level of, of online content, right? If people are paying to put their ads on all that stuff. Yeah, if not more. It's massive. Yeah, yeah if, if not more, right? Because a lot of the, the 
the blogs that would be the, you know, I mean, we're I'm talking Matt Mullenweg here, we're talking WordPress would probably be the, the remainder, <laughs> right? So yeah. like, it's really like three. And those blogs are often based on content or interweaved with content from YouTube and Facebook. So uh, yep. yeah, that's, that's, that's a, that's a great point. Full, fully on board with that. So yeah, man, uh, talk about content versus data here. The, the, yeah. I think I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to hear your take on this because, well, because you know, and maybe you can touch on the culture of the company that you work in because you guys are yep. creators first, right? I mean, talk about how you guys started and uh, maybe take it from there. That could be fascinating yeah, for people. Totally. Totally. So it's, it's, it's actually a really interesting question too. It's, um, so the, the history of the company to a certain extent is that it was a very creative company, right? It started out based around, um, based around YouTube, based around a separate, you know, content media, YouTube based business. Um, and then it sort of pivoted towards, um, trying to take on education, um, and this whole land of like entrepreneurship courses, business marketing courses, and, you know, um, trying to be innovative in that, in that whole field. Um, and it's, it's really interesting question because as you said, there's all, there's sort of a, um, there's sort of a combination of creative people there and also people that are really data driven and analytical. I'm a little bit more towards the analytical side of things. Um, I think a piece of that comes from being really into direct response where it's like, everything's a number, right? It doesn't matter how qualitative you break something down. You can always attach a number to it, right? You can always be like, this is how much money it's worth. This is what we can afford to pay for it. This is what a customer is worth. This is what the LTV is, right? You can, you can always come up with something along those lines, even just looking at, you know, percentage of, of growth or looking at like relative metrics related to how well one product does to another or one opt-in page to another, something like that. Um, so what's really interesting with us is we do, we do kind of have a combination um, of data and what I'm going to call creativity. Um, it, it's sort of like your, your whole slogan with the, like where art, uh, I forget what it is specifically, but it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. where art meets commerce. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of like that. Right. But it's, it's almost like where art meets data, where, where mm-hmm. art meets science. Right. It's, it's sort of like an intersection there. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's really funny is I think when you, when you hit the happy medium between art and science, um, as far as, you know, business goes, that's when things actually take off in a massive way. Um, and so it's, it's a little tough to give you a specific um, approach here. But one example of this is like uh, Viral Academy, right? One of our biggest courses at, at Jump Cut. Um, that, in my mind, was a combination of art and science, how we came up with that idea and then why it did super well. Um, and the art side of it was guessing that people would be interested in becoming social media influencers and uh, starting YouTube channels and sort of intuitively guessing that the market was there, that the demand was there for that offer, that product, um, which nowadays probably seems funny to hear me say that, but go back three years, nobody was selling any courses on how to become a social media influencer. Nobody had, uh, you know, a, a, a huge business. No one had an eight figure business that primarily was based around that type of education, that type of content. Um, so it, it truly was like basically before it's time, right? That was the art side. And then the science side was saying, um, okay, you know, what is a product like this worth? You know, what are the comparable products? How can we actually model um, marketing and products that are, that offer similar benefits, um, but are about a different topic, right? And so it's kind of like you're, you're still able to model successful businesses, successful um, 
you know, marketing and apply that to a product that uh, has never existed before. Basically, so it's, it's kind of like, to a certain extent, we almost created a market, right? But we were able to, to do it in a really data-driven way. Um, and the other piece of it behind the scenes was doing surveys, right? And looking at um, both the language that people use to, um, to talk about YouTube, to talk about online business, um, but also like the different percentages of, of um, how people respond to questions about objections and fears and desires relating to that product, right? So we were able to kind of have both a data-driven approach um, and sort of the artistic side of things where um, we came up with something that was new that turned out to have a massive amount of demand, you know, in, in the marketplace. And I, I think to me, that's, that's like how you get a blockbuster product, right? When you're actually like two steps ahead of the market itself, even though the demand's there, right? And obviously we were a little bit lucky in that we could deliver on that promise because we had, you know, a massive amount of experience and, and, and the background in YouTube. Um, but I, I, whenever I look back at like the trajectory of the company, that to me is something that really stands out. It's like both the art and the science, right? You're not just modeling, you're like modeling success, but throwing in like a, a, a touch of, innovation right and that little touch of innovation if you if you get it right pays off like a million times more than anything else mm -hmm. yeah i think it's really funny that you mentioned that because uh, i and for those of you that don't know i actually worked at um junket for about a year and uh <laughs> a, a part of that is kind of kind of the, the catalyst right because the culture was very much create 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 we're creators and we have fun and i thought that was really cool that's a really cool thing when you can i think a lot of people think like success has to be hard Right? And that's kind of what you were talking about earlier. Like, like this idea that society proliferates and that your teachers proliferate and that your parents proliferate that you, know, you just have to work your ass off until you're 65 and it's got to just be the, this grueling, brutal journey. I always thought that was really cool about the company where it's like, look, we make fun YouTube videos. We have a lot of fun. And, you know, we're kind of like a very skateboarder kind of vibe in a weird way. Like, uh, where it's just kind of like, we're just kind of kids doing fun stuff. Uh, but then you add data to that and that's when it gets really, really powerful. Right. Um, I think we saw that with, with Snapchat when it originally launched. Now Snapchat's made some mistakes since then. Uh, but I think that was really interesting when, when Snapchat launched where they took uh, this core human element of, of a single pain point, right. Of a single desire to, to just share these short video snippets and, and they, they really amplified that. And then they combined that with a lot of data to do that. And then obviously Instagram copied them. So I thought that was phenomenal. And then with, with jump out, what you guys do that, that's really, really great is it's, it's very focused. You, there's not 50 products. There's a, a very concise um, product line and a very concise vision. And I think a lot of people, once they get to that, uh, that teenage growth phase, right? I call anything from like 10 to 30 mil, kind of like the teenage years. Uh, yep. where you're, you're experiencing growth so quickly that your bone structure kind of can't keep up. And so it was really easy to get overextended and take on too many projects. And um, I think, uh, you know, props actually to uh, your, your COO there who kind of reigns, uh, reigns the folks in. I, I always thought that was phenomenal <laughs> kind of, you know, rein in the childhood spirit, right? Because the childhood spirit just wants to explore and have fun. And uh, it's important to rein that in to, to stay focused on the mission. And and say, well, you know, do we really have capacity to take on this and this and this and this? No, like these three things got to go. We can do one, maybe two things really well. Three, if we're phenomenal, uh, you know, look at Elon. I mean, he, he's, he's able to do three things, four things, right? Pay, you know, payments, electric cars, um, solar energy, and space travel. And I mean, that's, that's arguably the, the biggest, um, 
tackling point for anyone of our generation, right? He's definitely yeah. the Steve Jobs of our generation. And, yeah. uh, but you can also see the toll that that takes, right? That takes a, a great personal toll. That's something that I think isn't talked about frequently enough is uh, this, this, this toll that entrepreneurship actually takes on you and that, yeah, you can, it can be fun, but yeah, the, you know, like you mentioned it in the beginning, right? You, you were, there was a lot of stress involved with having like to learn all these skills. And so I think that's also an important thing to touch on is the human element. There, there's kind of two sides of this human element. The first is what you talked about with the AI, the machine learning, the VR, where my belief is over the next 10 to 25 years, it's hard to tell where that curve is going to last, but somewhere between 10 to 25 years, we're actually going to cut away, I think, everything um, on the automation side. So anything that can be automated, I believe we're going to automate. And I believe that anything can be replicated, will be replicated, and we're going to be left with something that... Uh, is inherently human in marketing. So in a way, marketing is kind of like the distillation of the human element on a social spectrum, right? Where, you know, uh, landing page design, okay, that can be automated. Well, copy, that can be automated. Uh, conversion tracking, that can be automated. But there's a certain emotional response that, that cannot be automated. So uh, the first side is kind of that side of the coin where, you know, where do you see as being, let's say, 10 to 25 years as far as, the human element of marketing and what, what are the things that are the most important for someone who let, let's say they're, they're, they want to be viable in 10 years. Right. And that's a very hard thing to call out now. Uh, but well, what's that human element that, that people should be striving for? Um, for, I, I'll give you an example of this. Uh, what I, what I call it is, is the pillow effect. So when I market, I, I market to the, to a specific moment in somebody's day. And that, that moment is when their head hits the pillow. So I actually almost don't even market to people take action now. I, you know, all my entire sales pitch is, is structured around the moment where they've set their phone down, their head hits the pillow and they have a, a clean slate where they're starting the cleansing process of all the thoughts they've had during the day. I want my product or service to come full force, like an arrow past all the other thoughts that they have and, and be at the forefront. And that's a very human thing. Like, like that aspect I don't think you can replicate. So what are some of the things that you're doing with, with positioning your marketing, your copy, and uh, maybe adjusting the, the books that you're reading and stuff like that, the skills that you're learning to kind of cater to that? And what does that look like for you? Gotcha. Totally. Yeah. So that, that's actually a really interesting question. So um, a couple a couple of thoughts on that. So you talked about how in the future with AI and automation, it's going to replace a lot of sort of the more mechanical sides of business and marketing and jobs. And I, I think that's really accurate. Um, but I almost feel like your, um, I almost feel like your question almost answers itself to a certain extent. And what's really interesting is that um, when you say the human element, I think that's all that's going to be left, right? You're right that um, software can write copy. It can't, a lot of people will, will sort of balk at that and be like, it can't write good copy though. It can't write good stories, right? But it's like, like, bro, it's, it's, it's going to happen soon. Like they'll be able to plug, you know, um, into an, and, um, a story archetype, right? It's not going to be tough to like fill in the blanks for an archetype. Like that's what a lot of people are doing, right? Only the most advanced people are writing a story that is truly unique and is not just sort of a copycat of um, like the whole Hollywood model, right? Mm -hmm. um, but what's really interesting is that uh, that's what will be left is the human element and understanding humans, understanding what actually drives people. Um, I always say like 
I've said this a few times in this, in this podcast, um, what drives people to take action, right? But it's so much more than that. It's like understanding Maslow's hierarchy, right? Whether you believe in, in the hierarchy itself or just the concept of it and how we have different levels of desires, right? And different things that drive us and understanding um, what people really want on an identity basis, right? And it's like, you can't, at least in my mind, you can't really replace that with a machine um, because it's not logical, right? Mm-hmm. Humans actually are... are pretty much not logical at all, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the other interesting thing is that right now, in my mind, the vast, vast, vast majority of money and commerce um, is is done based on things that are not logical. It's, it's done for identity's sake. And a really good example of this is um, I've been noticing the ads for, um, do you know what Ramoa is? No. They're all like right. a, a luxury, <laughs> they're like a luxury, um, uh, luggage brand that is owned by one of the big one of the big uh, luxury clothing companies, whether it's like Moet Hennessy or like uh, Louis Vuitton, whatever the the holding company is for them, it's one of those guys owns these this hmm. luggage brand, right? And if you look at their ads, they have some of the most mind blowingly good um, Facebook ads on, on the in the history of the, the the world. Because what you see is you see their person, right? It's like a businessman that is in this super cool location. It's like a super cool view, right? And it's shot really well. And it's a video ad where he's clearly like, he's got his luggage with him and he just got to his destination and it's in this like exotic location. And there's a little bit of a storytelling going on. And I forget, I wish I had the exact words in front of me, but it's something like, you know, for every destination, like you need to, uh, you, you need, you know, you need your help getting to this destination or like life is short, you know, so you might as well, you know, live it up or, you know what I mean? I, I'm it, it really connects like the emotional component, mind. right? But it's extremely yeah. well written. I didn't really do it justice there, but mm-hmm. it's so well written that when you watch this and you see the video um, accompanying it, it speaks to your identity, right? So if you're someone who is chasing sort of an entrepreneurial dream of wanting to be successful on an identity basis, right? Referring to like, you want people to view you as successful. You want people to realize that you put in hard work and that you got, um, you know, it paid off for you. Um, this ad speaks to that. And it, mm-hmm. it's just like you said, there is no click the button below. There is no introducing this product. There is no, here's the price, right? It doesn't mention anything about luggage at all. It just makes you be like, I want to be that person. Whatever that feeling is that this ad gives me, I want that feeling in my life. It will make me feel complete. And then you search out the luggage and you realize that the luggage literally looks like the same kind of thing that you could go buy at, you know, your local home goods, but it's like $800, right? (laughs) And it's $800 because it speaks so deeply to your identity that spending $800 on that piece of luggage will literally make you feel fulfilled. And and to me, that's the human element, right? Mm -hmm. That's the the type of understanding of human psychology, um, why people... Uh, you know, respond to the things that they do, why people do what they do, what really drives humans to take action. It's that level that I think um, for the most part will be future proof. And if you have that level of understanding, you can apply it anywhere. Again, it doesn't, it really doesn't have to be advertising, right? You could be a political consultant. You could start uh, whatever your own clothing company. You could do whatever the heck you want. Um, but if you understand humans then you understand how to make money. Then you're always future-proofed. Then you can always start a business uh, because it doesn't matter. Nothing else really matters, right? It's like uh, it's kind of like what you were saying with data and content. Um, people don't create products and then generate demand for them. There's demand for the end result, right? Mm-hmm. Then people create products that connect a person with the end result that deep down they want, even if they don't consciously know that they want it, right? And it's like, man, that, that skill set will never go away.
Dig it. What's the name of the luggage brand again? Uh, I think it's Ramoa. R-I-M-O-W-A. I believe that's what it is. Ramoa. Huh, cool. Okay, yeah, cool. We'll, really we'll check that out there. Yeah, yeah, we'll totally we'll add that to the show notes. Um, we'll do a full sweep. So let's uh, let's start kind of wrapping down here a little bit. Um, what's uh, so you mentioned breakthrough rapid, uh, you know, breakthrough advertising. Um, you know, obviously influenced by Caldini, uh, the Russell Brunson stuff. What are what are maybe th- you know two, three, four, five other book recommendations uh, for th- for people that want to kind of unpack and try and replicate some of the skill sets that you've learned uh, that we could add to the show notes for uh, for the folks. Yeah, interesting. Um, let me think for a second. Um, one of my favorite books on like learning sort of the practical side of sales copy was uh, The Ultimate Sales Letter by Dan Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, hmm, actually, I really liked pretty much all of his stuff. Um, if you can find like the older courses and, and things like that that he put on. Um, you're Frank Kern. You're you a Frank Kern guy, John Carlton. I saw a little bit of their stuff. I was never that big of a fan of them, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I've like been through some of their stuff. It's it's cool. Um, but Evan Pagan? You know, I, I really Evan Pagan's cool too. I, I like some of his stuff, but I I really actually like looking outside of the marketing mm-hmm. space to learn about this stuff. Like um, I'm a really big Robert Greene fan. Oh, nice. Okay. Like uh, 48 Laws of Power and all those books. And it does force you to, um, to, to, it forces you to think a little bit, right? It's not a marketing book, right? So you don't in- instantly understand how to apply this to a business. But if you actually read this stuff, you actually analyze it and you understand it. What those kind of books help you do is it helps you get that human psychology feeling that I was talking about before, right? Where you just get people on a much deeper level and even though it's not direct and it's not, it won't explicitly help you make money and build a business. It will implicitly and, and subconsciously like give you that intuition that will then help you make the right decisions. Right. That, that's actually the art, right? That's the art side of the, the, the art and science of business. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, it'll give you that weird intuition where you're like, I actually know that this product is going to be a, a hit, right? It's like, mm-hmm. I can't prove it. I've got no data to back it up, but I'm telling you when we launch this, it's going to do insanely well. And it's because I understand people. I, I can feel it, right? You can intuitively feel that it's going to crush it. I mean, we're talking like string theory, stuff like that at that <laughs> point. It's getting crazy. We, we might have Robert on the podcast uh, at some point. Really? That'd yeah, be awesome. Julian knows him pretty well. So um, we're, we're going to line that up. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, if any more come to mind, just toss them. I'll toss them in the show notes. And um, let's talk about what's, what's in the future for you, bro. Like what, what, are, what else are you doing? What are some of your other things? Yeah, totally. Um, so recently I've been helping some friends, um, you know, launch courses, create their VSLs, do the marketing stuff. Uh, I've been really trying to network with other high level marketing people and business people. That's, that's honestly my goal for the next year is, um, try to just network and have more people in my personal circle, not only to, to learn more, um, but just because that's, that's what I like hanging out with. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Um, totally. it's, I'm trying to surround myself with, with people that are in this space and really hustling and, and growing. Um, but, um, no, I mean, big thing right now is, uh, trying to grow jump cut into a, you know, billion dollar company, which is, uh, slightly harder, you know? Than- <laughs> yeah. So are you guys going with the course route or are you, are you guys going to do, you know, every course known to man or are you guys doing some tech no. play or? Yeah. So it's, it's still up in the air in a big way. Um, we're figuring all that out, but right now, obviously it's going to be, um, a lot of courses. Um, and the cool thing is that we're trying to. Uh, I mentioned this briefly before, but we're really trying to 
be innovative in a space that I personally don't think has seen, excuse me, any innovation in the past like 10 years or 20 years or really since its existence. I don't think anyone's ever innovated on the product. I don't think anyone's ever innovated on um, like trying to make the courses as cinematic as we are making them, you know, um, storytelling and, and making them fun to watch and making them visually appealing and having high production value. But also in terms of the platform, I don't think anyone's ever tried to build their own course platform and build gamification into it, build the community into it and build, you know, these sort of deep, um, these kind of features that you would typically see a tech startup doing um, mm -hmm. for what, what I'm going to call an information marketing company uh, when that's not really what we are, but in terms of from the, from marketer land, that's what people will sort of understand. Um, and it's like, you see a little bit of innovation on the marketing side of these businesses, but even there, man, there's, there's very little, it's like, everyone's doing the same video sales letters. Everyone's kind of copying each other. Everyone is um, writing some emails and having opt-in pages and running Facebook ads. And it's like, man, why can't we actually innovate? Why can't we be the first company that uses AI or uses VR or uses really deep, you know, marketing features that we build ourselves in house, right. Mm -hmm. to, to scale this company. And, um, truly innovate. And so honestly, that's, that's what really excites me is the fact that, um, we're doing pretty well, but I think, I think we're one of the only companies that's really trying to innovate in the space. And so I'm, I'm super excited to see what's possible there because I, I don't think there's ever been what I'm going to call like the startup mindset applied to this space. And then I think that, uh, interesting things are going to happen there. I think that's super cool, man. That, that, that was actually in a big way. My vision when I was there was kind of a, a Udemy meets, these direct marketing principles meets a whole bunch of other stuff. And I'm, I'm really excited to see you guys taking, um, just taking the baton and running with it. I think that there's, there's a lot of positive things for the world that are going to come from that. And uh, I'm very excited to see it. So let's do, uh, let's do some shameless plugs here. Uh, how can people, <laughs> you know, find out more about, uh, let's do you first and then we'll do, uh, any other stuff. So what's, what's cool. the best way to get a hold of you? Um, yeah, I mean, if anyone, uh, wants to shoot me an email, you can email me at Brandon at Brandon .com. You can also go to that site if you want to read a little bit more about my backstory, but, um, yeah, there's not, there's not really much I'm doing, um, myself right now. It's really all, uh, all focused on, uh, what, what we were talking about today. Super cool. And, and then, um, for, uh, for the jump cut stuff, you know, let's, let's talk, how, how do people find out more about what you guys are doing over at jump cut? Yeah, just don't skip the ad the next time you see it. Click <laughs> the link in the ad. <laughs> Is it what, like uh, jumpcutacademy.com or what, what are you guys doing? <laughs> um, yeah, click the ad because that, help, that helps you get. get <laughs> shameless plug, man. It's, yeah. that's, the, that's the point. Yeah, I love only, it. only click the link if you're going to buy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. That, that helps um, your conversion. <laughs> it's, uh, it's jumpcut.com. So J U M P C U T.com. Uh, you can see some of the stuff we're working on. You can see some of our marketing. You can, um, yeah, you can check out uh, all the stuff that we're, uh, we're trying to innovate on over there. I love it, brother. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to hop on board. And, you know, maybe we'll do a, a copy and DM masterclass uh, at some point in the future. And let's definitely link up and do, um, do a video in person too for, uh, for the channel at some point. And, yeah. um, yeah. And let me do a more proper uh, outro here. So, Hey man, thanks for, uh, thanks for hopping on board. It's, um, it's an absolute pleasure having you, dude. You're, you're honestly one of the smartest people I've met. And, uh, the fact that you're, you're that much younger than me kind of, kind of freaks me the fuck out. Um, it makes me like wonder if I'm going to be competitively viable in four years, you know, cause we, we got these young kids coming in and they're, they're just dis destroying it. So massive, massive hats off to you, man, massive props. And uh, I'll definitely include all the links in the show notes. And, uh, do you have any, 
last minute words, or, you know, we could, we can do the, the Tim Ferriss thing where if you had one piece of advice to, uh, as he would say, put on a billboard, but I, I'll say to, you know, if you had kids and you, and you only had to give them one piece of advice, uh, and you were, you're about to pass away, what, what would that thing be? Oh man, that is very deep. Um, yes. my advice, and, and this is something that, uh, I've, I've only now started to realize is, is as, as sort of cliche as this sounds, um, it's whatever like your, your dream is or your goal is, uh, it is so much closer and so much easier to accomplish, um, than you give yourself credit for. Right. And it's kind of like, uh, all you have to do is turn yourself into the person that could reach that goal to, to get that goal. Right. It's not even about the work itself. It's about you being like, yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually now Elon Musk. Right. I'm actually now the kind of guy that can start that kind of company and put in the work um, and committing yourself to that. And it's like, boom, the the results happen um, if you commit yourself. All of the strategies, tactics, tools, references, etc. for this podcast will be found in the show notes. As always, I am your host, Mikhail Kuznetsov. You can find me on all socials at MVKBIZ or at Hustle System. And I want to thank you for listening to the Hustle System podcast, where art meets commerce. And until next time, let's win together. It really is a revolution. Listen, uh, We've never wavered in that position. I believe we should strive to do things in history. Everything you hold worthwhile is at stake. Beyond yourselves and ourselves. I have a dream. Freedom is indivisible. Well, I took the initiative in creating the internet. That app comes with incredible rapidity. One electrical arc after another. Still trying to get myself adjusted.